In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Jason Kao. Jeff Mazuka, Dennis Matouche. John Reed. Bo Warmbold. Each month, they've sworn to tackle two or three movies and remind us all why we fell in love with them in the first place. This year, we travel back in time to 1984 and 85. You're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. back for our next episode of the 30-something movies podcast and this time we are looking at 16 candles and the breakfast club um i am the, your host john reed and along with me today again are the co-hosts with some special guests uh barry white is also here um, <laughs> there he is um so we'll go around the table we are actually having breakfast in a school library we are serving a Saturday detention, but it, our food is, I think, much better than theirs. Um, although I did want to bring, like, a sandwich with Pixie Sticks and Captain Crunch. Yeah. I wanted to try that, but I think the, the sushi is enough. We did actually have somebody bring sushi, that Jason brought Wonder the sushi. The, the Asian. Um, the one Asian in the group brought the sushi. <clears throat> I will have a gong sound effect every time I say Jason's name. Um, <laughs> okay, so I am your host, John Reed. Let's go around the table and get everybody around. Pat Canigallo. Dennis Matouche. Jason Kao. Bo Warmbold. Jeff Mazuka. Donna Warmbold. All right. And we Donna is here to provide the woman's perspective on 16 Candles and Breakfast Club. It was going to be Bo, but <laughs> he ceded that to his wife. Um, so the first one we're going to start off with is 16 Candles. Real quick, just to give you some information on it. Uh, 16 Candles came out May 4th. Ooh, Star Wars Day. May 4th, 1984. Um, it starred Molly Ringwald as Samantha, uh, Michael Shuffling, I don't even know how you say his last name, um, as Jake, Haviland Morris as Caroline, Getty Watanabe as Long Duck Dong. That's a fun one to say. Um, <clears throat> Anthony Michael Hall, depending on who you ask, he's either the geek or Farmer Ted. It's um, not really a farmer. Not really a farmer. Nope. Um, and Blanche Baker as Ginny Baker. Oddly enough, has the last same last name. Uh, the movie had a budget of six point five million and made twenty three million in the box office. It was rated PG, and I have no idea how it was rated PG, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so that is kind of my information on this. I'll, th I'll throw in a couple of other things real quick too, and then we can get to talking about it. Um, this movie was originally put together when John Hughes wrote the script for it. He was actually just looking at a whole bunch of headshots of different actresses and came across the headshot of Molly Ringwald. And she was not real big at the time. I think maybe she had been in one other movie. And just looking at her headshot, he decided that he, he already had a story going in his head, just looking at this person. And he wrote the whole story around her picture. Then when it came time to cast the movie, he said, I have to have this person as my female lead. And then from there, they went on and, and cast the others. For the part of Jake, I didn't realize this, but um, it came down to Michael Sh We're going to mess that Sh name up. Shofling? Sh we think it's Shofling? I don't know. He dropped out of Hollywood years ago, so there's no interviews or anything with him to hear his name pronounced. Uh, it was down to him and Viggo Mortensen for the part of Jake. I didn't realize that. So, 
All right, so that's my information that I got for 16 Candles. So our first question that we were going to ask everybody was, what was your first experience watching this movie? Did you see this as a kid, or was this, um, viewing it recently, was this one of the first times that you've watched this? So, um, oh, we'll start with Pat. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. All right, what the, was your first experience? Uh, was this past weekend. Um, I'd seen plenty of John Hughes movies. I think, you know, just about everybody that has grown up has seen it, and I knew of 16 Candles, but... Uh, that was the first time watching it. Um, I wasn't, I didn't know anything about it, so I, I kind of was expecting something more in the order of like <coughs> Uncle Buck or Breakfast Club or one of those that was more of a, not, well, a serious movie, but had some funny moments to it. I didn't expect like pretty much just a comedy. You know, it, in, <clears throat> I don't offend anyone that might, you know, like the movie at the table, but it was, uh, um, you know, it was a little bit zany, a little bit uh, silly, and I, I guess I just really didn't expect that. Um, and I know that this might be a topic for later, but I was, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty surprised with the uh, Long Duck Dong character um, that they got by with that, and um, that was it. It was kind of hard. It was kind of hard to get past that, and uh, so yeah, that's kind of was my first reaction to the movie. like, oh, okay, it was kind of silly. The humor really didn't catch my attention or anything and and yeah that was that was that Barry uh, yeah yeah um, first time I actually saw the movie all the way through was this past week if I say all the way through like um, I remember scenes growing up and it probably would be I think I came out I was probably about 13 I think at the time and I don't remember seeing anything during that time period or even high school it was mostly like in like late late teens early 20s I would catch parts of it on TV and it never grabbed my attention enough to ever like sit there and, and watch it. Growing up with uh, an all-boy family, um, that's another thing. You're not going to be watching, oh, can we watch 16 Candles? So it was just a movie that was never really completely on my radar until we had to watch it for this. And I remember the panty scene. I remember that, the holding up, the you know, I remember that um, from the other ones. But we would probably watch like five minutes, ten minutes of it like on TV somewhere and then just switch. Because, again, it didn't really seem to capture. I, I, in watching it now... Um, I think it's one of John Hughes' weakest films, is my opinion. My wife absolutely loves it. It's one of her favorite, which is interesting, the, the dynamics there of, you know, I think it's that female perspective again. But I think that the characters weren't as developed. I think it was, again, very kind of silly. Um, the humor wasn't that funny for me. I think it was just, I just didn't really click with me as, as, a, as, a, as a movie that I would want to watch again. Uh, you know, I think like Dennis and, and Pat, uh, I just re recently watched the whole thing for the first time. Uh, I think you know, on VH1 they have, uh, uh, they, they'll show it on, on VH1 and, and obviously not the real version. As John mentioned, there's a lot of uh, uh, bad stuff on there. But uh, uh, yeah, same sort of thing for me. I think it's a, uh, there's a lot of quotable moments in the movie. Uh, but the movie as a whole uh, just doesn't stand up. And it's John Hughes' first one, too. But uh, uh, there's just so many extended scenes where I, like, I just watched again last night, and I'd watched earlier, you know, in the month, and, and I had a hard time getting through it the second time, you know. Um, just uh, a bunch of unlikable characters, you know. Like, I thought uh, uh, Sam was, uh, I don't know, I, I think... Uh, Girls like the movie better than guys. I, I, I think guys like the, the quotability factor of it, but there was just so many characters that were just kind of uh, uh, 
jerky and, and not really uh, relatable, unlike Breakfast Club, where I think everybody relates to a character there. So, so we'll get to it in just a minute, but you just basically called me a girl. So that's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> that's not the first time. So. <laughs> that's, that's true. And really, so it won't, won't be the last. Be the last. <laughs> no. Just another day for all of us. I think, like, like Dennis, I think mostly I've seen this movie in fits and spurts, and I, there are parts of it that I realized when I watched it all the way through last night. There are parts of this movie that I have never seen because I've never seen it not on TV. The shower scene, I had mm. never seen that before. Yeah, that was a big surprise. Um, I was shocked. <laughs> I, um, I don't think I saw the whole movie but once or twice, and it was probably in high school, and I was probably hanging out with a bunch of friends because I grew up in a family with two boys. We weren't lining up to watch 16 Candles either. Um, You'd get beat up if you did. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, but I definitely had seen all the quotable, like I could quote 16 Candles, but I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, remember what happened in between those quotes. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of slow parts where you sort of check out and that's when you're surfing, you're like, all right, moving on. Um, I feel like it, the quotable sections are great and then there's a lull because those characters aren't as developed. So you're, you're kind of bored. But then Long Duck Dong comes back and does something silly and you're laughing again. Um, and I think that's another part of it. I saw it young enough where that was still funny. And I sort of, I sort of liken it to, and I think it's from the same general era, Blazing Saddles. You couldn't get away with those movies now because of that content. But at the time, it was regular and funny. Um, and let's be honest, I have a twisted sense of humor, so that you know, was part of it. <laughs> uh, I saw this movie for the first time when I was in high school and my introduction I'd, I'd known of this movie I'd heard of it um, and when I was a junior in high school I don't know how or why this happened but my social studies teacher was out for the day and we had a sub and for some reason someone had a copy of this movie <laughs> at oh, school and convinced the sub I remember you telling me about to this. put the movie on during class <laughs> And the oh, sub was like, man. all right, why not? And, you know, we're watching. First and, and last day he worked. <laughs> prob probably, because, you know, it gets to the shower scene, and all of a sudden I, I turn and look at the sub, and he's got his head, like, in his hands, like, probably praying to God that he doesn't lose his job. Um, and then at some point I, I know that I, <clears throat> I'd gone back to, to watch the whole thing, and I owned the movie. I think I found, it was like a $5 DVD bin purchase. There was like a couple of John Hughes films that were in a collection or something. Um, and like other people, I, you know, I, I agree that it's not his best effort. Um, and comparatively to the other movie we're talking about today, 16, or, uh, Breakfast Club, I think the difference being that 16 Candles offers you experiences that you might be able to relate to as opposed to Breakfast Club that offers you people that you can relate to. Because, um, I mean, I can remember going to my first dance when I was in high school. Uh, I can remember being bombarded by family members and being displaced for this reason or that reason. Um, Anyone ever forget your birthday? 
remember giving your panties or something. <laughs> no, no, no. And uh, my panties had always that's been in my own possession. That's good. Let's a nerd bar your underwear for 10 minutes. Well, that actually. But it was almost um, like John Hughes was like working out concepts that he used later in his movies. Yeah. I mean, the relatives bombarding, like the vacation movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I, I forgot about Homo. That's know. a really good point. So I think maybe this movie was just sort of, you know, him kind of cutting his teeth at the whole, uh, whole idea of what he wanted to do really with the future of his career. Um, I enjoy this movie. Like I said, I own it. I'll put it on every now and again when I'm, I'll go through my, my collection and be like, oh, Six and Candles, I haven't seen this in a while, and I'll, and I'll throw it in. It doesn't keep my attention all the time, but you know, it becomes more background noise. But I like it, you know, the quotability factor. Some of the characters, I think, are just a lot of fun. Love Farmer Ted. You know, I, think he, I think he's a great character. Long Duck Dong is a great character. Um, but, you know, overall, probably not the best Hughes film. Does it hold up? We'll get to that probably at the end of our discussion. So I think I saw it for the first time in junior high, and it's interesting to hear all of your takes on it as being the female here today, because it is, I think it is a, a female versus male thing, because I loved it. And granted, it was also junior high when I first saw it, but I still can watch it. If it's on TV, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch it. Um, but I will say that after, you know, looking at the questions that we we're going to talk about, we did watch it again and I never realized until I watched it last night, like some of the language and when I, I thought of the question of it being, you know, racist, I never ever saw that. And it, I watched the movie with a whole different perspective last night and it was really interesting because, wow, like... I'm almost offended by some of the stuff that's in it. Like, it definitely crosses some lines. Um, the thing that's interesting that everyone was talking about the long duck dong and is mm -hmm. it offensive? And I mean, I'm there was part of me. It's like, yeah, that was funny, and you know what he said it was humorous, and I could see that. And it's 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 two things that stick out. One is like they said with the dad, I, and I was like, okay, well maybe I got to look at all the characters, and all the characters are kind of silly and zany, and well, this one just happens to be Asian, so. But it's like all the other characters had like a redeeming moment. Like the dad was mm -hmm. kind of silly and crazy, but then yeah. he had his moment where he was okay. And you know the you know the nerds were kind of okay. We were making fun of nerds, but then they all had their thing. And that was the thing is that that character never like even when he came and answered the door, he was still being lampooned in that. And yeah, that's and I, true. And I think the other thing that kind of kicked was affecting this is one of the movies I saw when I was probably old enough to have seen this as well uh, was uh, I was a big Bruce Lee fan. Mm -hmm. And I saw Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and I mean, I'd seen all the Bruce Lee movies, and so that threw it off, is that here's this guy I grew up, you know, he's one of my idols growing up, and it was like, they're not my idol, but you know, yeah. and it was like his entire career was to fight against that, and then it was like, oh my gosh, this, you know, that hit me when I watched it, now be it as an adult, is that it was like, man, that was the very thing that he was going against, and, and it was just kind of the casual, and that Wong Duck Dong never kind of had his non-silly moment where, okay, this, you know, Kind of a thing, but and does well. Does if if not it? for him, though, he uh, Jake wouldn't have gone to the church. That's true. That's true. True. So it is a little bit of redemption. And he did, but, after get him, but though, still, after right? It's still him in the in the silly, the married. I, I can't do it. Yeah, but married. <laughs> right. Like he still is. That, and, that right. and the whole family that uh, Jenny is marrying into. Yeah. yeah. Like they never get redeemed either. They're. They're still kind of weird. I don't know. The, hus the husband becomes uh, the uh, janitor in well, Breakfast Club. Oh, my gosh. Capella. 
That ne- I never realized that. Yeah, it's, a, it's the same actor, not the same character, right. but the same actor. But I never, I never realized that. I like. Is Long Duck Dong not as racist if you remove the gong sound? <laughs> yeah, I think it's and possibly it's funnier. Like I think <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Like how does that? Because there's because what he himself does is stereotypical enough. Mm-hmm. Where you could have left it alone with that. You maybe didn't need the gong, and maybe. The early references to him, what do they call him? What does the mom call him in the kitchen? The weird Chinaman. The weird Chinaman, yeah. <laughs> pull that out, pull the gong out, and maybe then it's just. Right. I think if you're going to make it offensive, it's going to be offensive anyway, and they just went all out. Like, and like, that's right. right. if you're going to right. blazing saddles. Why, why, why yeah. walk yeah. the line? Either yeah. do it or, or not. But there's also the racist stuff like the, um, the conversation about the car. And the black guy, no, the oh, pink guy, yeah. black Trans Am. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you looked at, um, what was the movie that, uh, um, uh, what was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen did? Uh, <laughs> Borat. Yeah. And everyone watches that, and everyone would say, you know, the kids, the, the age that we teach, totally missed 90% of that movie, but it was off- mm-hmm. offensive. And it wasn't like, he wasn't satirizing people from Kazakhstan as much as he was satirizing our opinions of, you know, like that was like the element of that movie. So you'd watch it and it's like, is that racist? Well, yeah, but it's making fun of our racist beliefs. But also learning, I didn't realize that this was one of his, Hughes's first movies. So it, I think it shows to his credibility, like the fact of where he was when he started and where he was able to get to. But I, I love this movie. And also as a side note, growing up in Highland Park, um, a lot of these, a lot of Hughes' films are are filmed in Highland Park, so it's kind of fun to watch, like and find the little nuances. And I actually did get to go to the party house um, when I was in high school. That was a pickup line for somebody asking me on the date. Was have you ever seen the movie Sixteen Candles? Well, I live in the party house. You want to go? And it is a gorgeous house. <laughs> Did they have did, the you coffee, did they have the glass coffee table? Um, they didn't have the coffee table in there, but those windows actually look out onto the pool. So, like that was when we first walked into the backyard. He he pointed out that this is the window, like from the last scene. So, and you can tell when you drive in just the house, and, and they owned it back then. It was actually owned by, I think his dad was a. Um, the so- one of the Sox owners, Pagofsky, um, and it, talking about he was telling us about how it took you know so long for them to clean all that up, like the toilet paper in the trees really high and whatnot. So that was kind of cool. So apparently, I'm also a girl um, <clears throat> because I were we were we dating <clears throat> that today? I, yes. I thought that was established. From the start. Yeah. <laughs> this is an audio medium, but Pat did just put his arm around me, um, <laughs> which is nothing new. Um, I didn't tell you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it just got real awkward in here. Um, <laughs> just? Just now. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't remember the first time I saw this, but I know I was quite a bit younger. Like, I don't, obviously I didn't see it when it came out as a four-year-old, but um, when this, I think when I was a kid, and I, I don't remember when, and I don't know why, unless my mom or dad were really big John Hughes fans or Sixteen Candles fans or I don't know. Uh, the uncle I, was babysitting. I was just going to say the uncle. <laughs> the uncle that would show me all those movies was babysitting. Um, yeah, I remember watching this quite a bit as a kid. Yeah, we talked about that last time. One of the first movies I ever remember seeing uh, when my uncle babysat was Porky's. 
Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, as a young kid. So <clears throat> thanks, Uncle Steve. Um, yeah, and I don't remember why I would have seen this movie as a kid. I don't know who in my house would have wanted to watch it, but I think we always would have watched it on TV. So again, like the shower scene, had no idea that that scene was in there. Um, so that was kind of a surprise, you know, knowing that this movie is rated PG and then all of a sudden, well, there it is. Um, but yeah, I, so I always saw this on TV and I saw this as a kid. So, and I feel like I've seen it, you know, like every few years or so I've, I've watched this movie. So for me, it's more of a regular thing and I kind of grew up with it and I know this movie, like even not, I, it probably has been years since I've seen it now, but having watched it within the last couple of weeks or so. Like, I remember all of it. I, every single bit and piece of it, I, I remember it. And I really like it. I mean, I, I know it's you know probably not one of his best films in terms of story and, and that type of stuff. But, <clears throat> you know, some of his other movies, I've seen it more than I've seen movies like Uncle Buck and some of those others. So this one I actually like better than some of those other movies. Um, to me, it always, as I got older, it kind of seemed like, you know, if, if you were going to watch a couple of movies in succession that reminded you of high school and then college. To me, this is almost like it's a, like it's a prequel to Animal House or something like that. Because to me, Animal House to me kind of seems like it's a, it's a whole bunch of little situations in Animal House. And that to me is what this movie is a lot like. It's just, it's a, and I like what, and I forget who just said it, but it was, it's more situations than characters. Um, <clears throat> which I totally think when we talk about Breakfast Club that that's absolutely you've kind of reversed it and it's all about the characters in Breakfast Club so I did like this movie and again I don't know why I would have watched it um, so many times as a kid but it's probably one of my favorite movies and I think it's more quotable but maybe because I've seen it more times than Breakfast Club in terms of the two movies we're talking about now um, never considered it to be a racist movie until I you know, started looking into it for this and I'm seeing all these articles and all these interviews and other things where people are talking about how racist it is and it's one of the top ten racist movies of all times and I'm like, oh, okay. That never occurred to me. And then I rewatched it again. I'm like, oh, no, okay, I, I get it now. Um, so that was kind of my experience with it. As we went around, we already said this, kind of where does this rank, how does this compare with other John Hughes movies? So uh, for me, in terms of the other movies I've seen, I, it's, it's up there. I mean, it's not, I'd say Ferris Bueller is probably my favorite. Um, and now I probably, in terms of the movies themselves, looking at them as a whole, I think Bref Breakfast Club would be a second for me. And I might rank this maybe third of all of his movies for me, but it, it would be up there. It wouldn't be like, to me, I don't consider this to be one of his worst movies. Um, but, you know, I, I'd rank it up there. And I think part of it, and again, I think, you know, I don't want to pan the movie. I'm just saying, I just think it kind of missed me, you know? And you mentioned Animal House. And I think I said that to someone standing in the hall the other day. It's like, I guess I'd just rather watch Animal House. The humor, I, I found it more funny. And it, it just didn't quite, it just didn't quite gel with, you know, what I was expecting, you know? And I, I get the situational humor, but again, it was, it was just almost the zaniness. And I, I can see... You know, because the times that, you know, you know, Tammy and I will watch a movie and she'll pick something that, you know, falls more into, like, chick flick realm. I can kind of see where that might, not everybody, but for a lot of people, why that might be, okay, you know, you know, girls might like this movie a little bit better because of the overall theme was the girl got the Prince Charming at the end. And, you know, 
every you know everything kind of worked out in the end and it was it had that kind of heartwarming thing that you know she was noticed by him and 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 I don't I, I'm not going to try and speak with from a female perspective but I can see where that aligns absolutely and okay. I also think that it's it's every girl's dream and it's not the reality like the how many times that actually happens but I think that that's one of the reasons why it speaks to females more right. is that's that's the dream she gets the prince in the end right and, and I, sometimes those dreams come true sometimes <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> nice touch that was good so yeah and I mean like the we um, you know guys I know, you know I'm getting long winded but I mean you know guys I, I can watch a movie that's totally disbelievable with action and I can just check out and enjoy the story and I think it's the same thing for some people with this movie it's just add eh, check out and see that heartwarming kind of story as far as ranking it among, yeah, I, I have it more towards the bottom. I definitely have it at the bottom. Um, I mean, I would definitely put, if you're going by, are you going by movies that he's directed or movies that he's written? Or yeah, like because vacation uh, his, 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 his yeah. directorial like would, list is very short. Yeah. He's only directed only like, like eight, seven or eight, eight films. movies, maybe. Yeah. Like Curly Sue is the last one he yeah. did. Yeah. Like 93 or 92 yeah. or something. Yeah, so he doesn't have direct, a lot. He's only got like, I think, yeah, only like six or eight movies that he's directed mm -hmm. and then as far as written I mean obviously there's the list is there yeah he's got a hand yeah. in a lot of if it were written movies. and directed then I'd, you know, I'd definitely go with like a Planes, Trains, Automobiles um, mm -hmm. as a number one obviously the vacation and the written but as far as this genre if we're talking about this kind of teen genre I think Some Kind of Wonderful is his better written movie as far as one that if it's on TV I will I will watch that movie yeah and I think the character development the, the portrayal of the different you know the popular girl and the, the you know, all that it, I think that one clicked more with me watching that. If that's on TV, I'll actually stop and watch that. Um, I just that think it, and that'd be an interesting conversation for later, but the, the creation of that film was based on the dissatisfaction with the ending for Pretty in Pink. Yeah. That he didn't like that the guy didn't get the girl in, in Pretty in Pink, so he went off and did some kind of wonderful. So the, the right people got together at the end. Uh, for me, Ferris Bueller is still the best John Hughes movie. I, I just love that movie. Um, this, uh, again, I, I just think there's certain parts where, like I have a hard time watching the wedding scene from, from this movie. It's just too zany, too slapsticky, uh, you know, with the bride just, just you know, yeah, just, just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really care for that part. But um, uh, I think a lot of this has to do with when you watch the movie. Okay, so John has, he, he's watched a lot of these movies when he was uh, younger, you know, either middle school, high school, and, and same with Jeff, and, and, and you've probably watched a lot more times. Uh, Pat, Dennis, and I have watched them more recently, and so, you know, for, for us, uh, now that we're older and watching these, these movies, it doesn't really, uh, uh, we, we can't really relate to them as well, you know, so that's why... Uh, yeah. Again, I like the quotes, uh, and it's. You would think that I would find the Long Duck Dong character really offensive, but I think I was too young when that when that happened, and so like people, uh, uh, Asian males before me might have got uh, uh, teased about it all the time. I luckily skipped past that, you know, and so now that I'm I'm uh, older, it's actually kind of I don't know. I thought those were, were Do you get were, more like data or short round. Uh, I, I get that from you guys a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was say short rounds even a little old for us. Yeah, uh, he's actually just, embraced the line saving him in his trivia team name. Here's the thing: it, it is our trivia team name. <laughs> just wait, just wait. Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom will be later this year. <laughs> Excellent. And I know you guys are going to get to this later on, but I just want to say that I, I think um, sometimes for uh, for Asians, if we do get um, uh, uh, ripped on, we have to 
kind of embrace that a little bit. Uh, so it's just to turn it back on, on the people that are, that are making fun of us. And so um, I do quote love the long dog dong sometimes, just, just, just so, you know, uh, uh, it, it... Trying to beat people to it? Or kind of, a little bit. Um, like you, a, you have to almost use like humor. a defense for, for you, or I, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't. It falls down on my list of John Hughes movies, but not because anything this movie does wrong. It's what the other movies do right. I mean, Ferris Bueller, and again, we can talk about directing versus writing. But Ferris Bueller, Uncle Buck. You want to talk about writing? You've got great outdoors. You've got planes, trains, and automobiles. You've got. Home Alone. I mean, I think I'm even missing one that I really love. But vacations. Vacations. There you yeah. go. The vacation. So all of a sudden, it's not anything Sixteen Candles does wrong. It's what all those other movies did right, or what he did right in making those movies is maybe the better way to say it. So it falls down the list really quick, possibly just because of those slow points I talked about earlier, where you, you know, what am I doing now? I might as well get up and go run to the restroom. I'm not gonna miss anything. Right. Um, but it is so quotable, and it always has been. I mean. Everything out of Long Duck Dong's mouth is quotable. I mean, it takes about, you know, you go through the whole movie and just say what he says, and, mm -hmm. and, and you've got lines to drop. Um, and the Anthony Michael Hall stuff is good, too. Some of the stuff he says, you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's why it falls down on the list. Not really anything it does wrong. but I would definitely agree with that. It's not the fact that it's... A bad movie. It's just clearly, like we said before, he's John Hughes is learning as he you know as, as he explores with with Sixteen Candles. And you look at a lot of greats that go through that same process. I mean, you know, Aaron Sorkin comes to mind. Started with Sports Night. Well, it wasn't a great show, but you can definitely see. You watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you definitely can see where he's what he's trying to learn how to do and, and how the second season of Sports Night overlaps with the first season of West Wing and, and just sort of then starts getting into writing film while he's doing West Wing. Um, so I think that, you know, like Bo just said, it's not necessarily that 16 Candles is, is bad. It's just the other efforts are better. They, they, they offer something more concrete. So in terms of where do I rank this one, it's not high on the list as far as John Hughes films go, either as director or writer or producer. Um, you know, I'll, I definitely, I'll get uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles up there and uh, Ferris Bueller, Vacation Movies, Home Alone, you mentioned. Like, you know, he, his name is attached to a lot of great things that he was able to figure out along the way. So I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite. I will agree with you guys that it is it it drops down it is one of my favorite movies but i'm a john hughes fan so i like most all of his movies so it's kind of hard for me to rate so and i kind of agree with everything you guys are saying um so we've kind of talked a little bit about how it's so quotable so one thing that i did ask everybody to think about is to think about your two favorite moments or quotes from the movie so then we can go around real quick and and give our two favorite moments or quotes my two favorite moments that I picked out for this are not actually funny moments. And this is where everybody's going to call me a girl again. Um, but you, my two favorite moments... What's that? You need a Kleenex before you get started? No, I'm okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, my two favorite moments are actually... And they're not quotes. They're, they're just moments in the movie. My two favorite moments are when Farmer Ted and Samantha are in the car together in the auto shop. And they're just having that conversation. 
I just I like that scene because in the midst of all the other crazy zany stuff that's going on, it's just the two of them having a conversation. Doesn't really matter that they would never really talk to each other at any point uh, in real life, but the two of them are just having a conversation. Uh, I do like the line in there about how you know fresh breath is a priority in his life, um, <laughs> just because it comes out of nowhere. Um, and I think he probably that's probably my favorite character is Farmer Ted is Anthony Michael Hall in both of these movies. I think he probably is my favorite my favorite character. Um, but that moment, and then um, here's where I'm really going to sound you know very sentimental and whatever feminine. is what's that feminine feminine sure let's go with that um is the scene outside the church at the very end like how everything works out in the end and everything's good and she gets the guy and like the dad is giving her the thumbs up that he's okay with it and he's he's not gonna he doesn't have to worry about that daughter he knows he has to worry about the rest of his kids but definitely not that daughter so but those are my two well the uh the two scenes <laughs> you know the one scene I really liked is anytime he was driving around in the red Porsche. I, I thought that was a cool car. So I was well, just you're like, a, "You're a car guy." Yeah. Well, and that was kind of like, "Hey, there's a car in this movie. That's pretty cool," you know. So I like that. Um, and the other, the other quote was one of the ones that came really early on, and I can't say it because of the censors. But when she says, "They effing forgot my birthday," yeah, that I actually went back and watched that a couple times because her delivery was perfect and. I, that was like my one laugh out loud moment in the whole movie. <laughs> and I went back, I'm like, that's pretty funny. Like, just the way she said it, mm-hmm. I thought that, that line was perfectly delivered. I can't believe this. They f***ing forgot my birthday. And um, so, yeah, those were, my, those were my two favorite parts of, I guess, the beginning and the end. Each had a, had a part for it. For me, I guess I good. don't want to go into John's territory of the sentimental piece, but, I mean, there was a quote with the father. Uh, I always liked that, just the quote about the crush where he's talking to her at night and he mm-hmm. says a thing about, you know, yeah. so they call it, it's, a, it's hard, that's why it's called the crush because mm-hmm. if it was easy, it would be called something else. So I like that quote, a nice little kind of sentimental quote there. That's why they call them crushes. If they were easy, they call them something else. Um, the other one was just one line that, you know, when you talk about something that caught me off guard or made me laugh, it was just the part with the, they're parked outside the church and she's like, where are we in here? Or he's like, where are we? You're parked outside my church. And oh, you own a church? You own a church. <laughs> 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 so guys appreciate that one. <laughs> As he's sitting in a Rawls. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Wake up. What the hell am I? I'll uh, tell you where you are. Just tell me who you are. Former Ted. You're in the parking lot across the street from my church. You want a church? Uh, you know, back to that, I, I like the part where um, uh, Jake Ryan, I can't remember his girlfriend's name. Uh, Carolyn. Carolyn. How she offers uh, uh, Ted the uh, the mint, and it's really, yeah. oh, we're both on the pill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My Christmas present to you. Thank you. No, you didn't see it right Thank you. And then, uh, <laughs> automobile. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's just such a great line. So. Uh, I think I said already that anything Long Duck Dong says is pretty good, but uh, no more Yankee, my Yankee. <laughs> Dong, I need food. It's always good for me. Oh, no more Yankee, my Wanky. The Dong, need food. <laughs> Hell, he's, he's three sheets to the wind. <laughs> he's drunk as a scum. Oh, why don't you shut up, Fred? Shut up. 
Dong. <laughs> Dong. Dong, Grandpa is talking to you. <laughs> Dong, where is my automobile? Automobile? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Leg. <laughs> Big leg. <laughs> Why, you little scuzzbag. Wow! And then, um, the, the Anthony Michael Hall is under the glass table. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> he just screeches. Egg! Yeah. yeah. Or, and that could easily be replaced by the scene where he's, Anthony Michael Hall is mixing drinks in the kitchen mm -hmm. for yeah. him and Jake to yeah. sip as they discuss life. Uh, I think for me, it's <clears throat> almost any time that uh, Farmer Ted comes on screen because there's just something about the way that Anthony Michael Hall played that character with, you know, a character that's so naive and so knows so very little about anything, but walks around with this little, you know, freshman swagger as if he's <laughs> he he he's got it all figured out, and you know, he's the yeah. king of the nerds. All the other geeks look up to him. Um, so any, just any time that he's on screen, he just makes me laugh when I just start thinking about his character and like what his character is trying to portray himself as. Um, so that being said, I think two moments that stand out for me uh, have already been mentioned, actually. One, when, uh, when he and uh, Samantha are in the auto shop and you know, they just have that you know, really brief conversation between the two of them. And then uh, when Samantha and her dad uh, have that conversation and dad comes out and says, you know, we we blew it. We forgot your birthday. And that just stems this whole connection between the two of them that she lets her guard down enough to start just getting out a lot of what's on her mind and, and has that really poignant moment with, with her dad and, and how it's all about her finally she gets her moment that it's all about her. And, you know, it, it happens at an awkward moment in the middle of the night, and it, it's not her whole family celebrating her. It's just her dad that happens to be, re, you know, can't sleep, remembers what they didn't do and, and wants to correct it. But, you know, finally, and, and she starts to revel in that moment of, this is about me. This is what I'm going through. The, the, you know, this is my worry, my concern. And, you know, and that, and that great line that, that he gives her, you know, it, it's, it's pain. That's why it's called a crush, because if it was easy, it'd be called something else. I think that's such a great line. Um, but for me, it's, and, you know, so I think it's always. And I think on that scene, moments. it sets it up, because I remember when I was watching it and all the way straight through this time, and when I got to that part, uh, one of the things sometimes people will say with John Hughes films is that he totally discredits any adults or parents and it's like they're the dumb idiots and, and they don't get the kids and there's that <laughs> disconnect and they almost set it up like that because at one point she's talking about it and then he starts talking about like oh the sister and the, the wedding and all that and she's like no no me and I, and I thought like he was going in this direction where it's going to be the dumb dad who doesn't get it and then it ends with the tender moment and salvages the scene I think where I was thinking I was already going oh okay it's going to be the dad who doesn't get her and doesn't understand, but then yeah. he spins it at the end and gets that. So it sets it up nicely, I think. Now, did anybody think that the movie was going to take a turn after that? Not not to discredit what, what your okay. quotes are going to be, but while we're talking about that, did anyone think that that was going to then not happen? That talking about the crush being painful, that clearly then that's how this movie's going to play out. She's not going to get the guy. She is going to be hurt. Um, I don't know, I just felt like there was a moment, one of the times, one of the first few times I watched it, I started uh, cluing in on that, like, you know, was he trying to do a little misdirect? 
with, uh, with, with that I scene. I think she was going to end. I actually predicted that she would end with him anyway just because the character of Jake was so ideal that how could it not? Like, here mm-hmm. would be the one guy who would go with her. You know, it was like so... He was just like this nice guy, and you well, know, and she and she wasn't pursuing him; he she, was yeah, pursuing her. Exactly, he was interested. He or something about her from the start that he kind of liked or was kind of attracted to, and he had the ideal girl supposedly already, and that wasn't doing anything for him. And he was looking for something more. And then the line about you know, am I am I nuts as a psycho to think that I want this girl? You know, yeah. where, he has, where he has a conversation with with the geek, and um, and I think that like gave me an idea that this was going to end with those two together. Yeah. So I wasn't a surprise. So thinking of what you just said, it it kind of makes me laugh in a way to to see like these high school kids portray like they're so evolved because and I could be very cynical, yeah. but that Cuz you work in high no. school. No. <laughs> right, cuz I do work in high school and yeah. I see it a lot and that's not going to happen. Like, most boys aren't going to be like, I have the head cheerleader and everything is going, but I want this girl that nobody knows who's a sophomore. Um, you just don't know guys at all, do you? you? know, <laughs> funny. Um, for the quotables, even still, I was telling my sister about doing this, and we have always quoted the long duck dong, hey, sexy girlfriend. And as soon as I said it, that's exactly what she said. So really anything Long Duck Dong says. <laughs> oh, sexy girlfriend. Manzai! Um, and for like my favorite moment, it was the church scene, but in a different way. It was her when... Everything clears, and Jake is standing there in front of his beautiful Porsche, um, and he points to her, nods to her, and she, like, kind of looks behind her and is like, wait, me? Like, that's my favorite moment. Like, the, wow, this is really happening. So I I just think that that's a really special moment. I have a quick question. I, mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of my female friends about, like, who were, was their 80s hunk, you know, or, or uh, who they liked the most, and most people, most girls... Pick Jake Ryan. Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, I don't think it's even close. I mean, can you even think of anyone who was who was uh, on the radar for a lot of girls who watched a lot of eighties movies? No, because he is that clean cut, wholesome, good guy, um, and good looking. Because I can see like some girls going for like the Bender type in Breakfast Club, but for the most part, like for the hunk, it's it's Jake Ryan. Well, I think it's that built-in fantasy of like here's that perfect guy who right. left the perfect girl to go with the it quote, quote, average girl you know or whatever or it's like, like a fa- it's like a fairy tale yes that is. the yes. cinderella story one more moment that i thought of for the self-proclaimed nerds at the table the scene where farmer ted goes to get the camera from his two boys and they're wearing the weirdest <laughs> headgear on the planet take those things off yeah, yeah. and then they go through a three-minute dialogue about what's in the car what could be better than a female... A female alien. A female alien? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you get to that whole moment, and then when they're trying to set up the camera, what I love is when they pause and they go, oh, you know what? 
We won't capture the moment. Black and Black white. Black and we'll white. Capture the moment. Oh. Yeah. Let's not forget. You know, John Cusack was one of those. Uh, yes, one, one, of, one of those background guys there. Just and John doing Cusack his thing. was in and, it as well. Yes, and yeah. I love and I love her character because she almost never says anything. Yep. But just the scene where she's trying to get a drink out of the yeah. water fountain. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, I, anytime she shows comedy, up. She's, she's been able to do that. I like the bus. <laughs> Barbara Dead, Ted's talking to her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe like you know, we, we should just really acknowledge the fact that a lot of those background characters contributed a lot more to the film than I, I'm just now thinking about it. Like those background characters just really threw a lot more into this movie than I realized. You know, this movie seems like it's great for for YouTube clips. Okay, like you go on YouTube and yeah. you see certain scenes, you know, um, and and you'll you'll laugh your head off. Okay, but for me, my whole thing still is watching the whole movie is tough. Okay, watching it the second time around was a lot more difficult than the first time. Well, there's maybe those individual scenes, and I think I said it before too, it's like that scene or that plot thread that just gets wrapped up when that becomes the basis of a whole movie later in his, you know, like the idea of just the grandparents mm -hmm. moving in and invading the house. Well, that's one little thing and that's humorous. Well, that's a big part of the later movie, you know. And, you, that whole scene when all the buses and everything pulls away into limos and there he's sitting at the car, that was used in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when yep. all the buses take off. And, you know, yep. so there was clearly just, you know, he yeah. had so many different ideas that all just kind of fell into one movie and then it was all his later stuff. Well, let's take that and follow that through or let's take right. that. And, yeah, I mean, it, and like I said in the beginning, you know, it's just this movie presents situations to, to watch and reflect on and, and connect to as opposed to individuals that you know you're like oh i love this movie because this character you know goes through all this and comes out on, on the end this much better in life you know it's more like like i said i remember going to my first dance i remember you know families invading or you know just different points of things happening um which i think drive this film talking about anything else talking about going from situations to individuals is a perfect segue into the breakfast club oh hey i've heard of that film hey. Thanks again for listening to the 30-something Movies Podcast. Uh, we are breaking this one up into two episodes as well. We had a nice long discussion, actually a, an awesome discussion, on uh, The Breakfast Club, but it ended up being over an hour long, so we didn't want to have this be a two-hour podcast. Um, so we are breaking these two up. So this will be part A, where we talk about 16 Candles. Part B will be released uh, around about the same time, or within a day or so, and that will be the one that focuses on The Breakfast Club. So join us back here for that. Um, however, if you are not joining us back here for that right away, you can reach us on Twitter at 30podcast. We are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. Now, if you have any comments, you'd like to join the conversation or comment on anything we've said on the show, um, please make sure you head on over to Facebook. That's probably the best spot to keep the conversation going. But if there's anything you'd like us to know or any uh, opinions you'd like to throw in there as well that are just quick little notes, feel free to send those over to us on the Twitter account as well. Again, thank you for listening to the 30-something Movies Podcast, and we'll be back with Part B of The Breakfast Club. Me, look my way.